0: This is going to hurt. hurt. It's time time for the Suffering Suffering Podcast. Podcast. All of our effort and energy goes into making it to the top. We work so hard and give 150% of ourselves to achieve our goals, getting tunnel vision and not seeing the potential pressures and dangers around us. We make it to the top of the mountain and believe that we're good for a while. While we were climbing... There was a hunger inside of us that can never be duplicated. What is discovered is is that the surface area to stand on the top of the mountain is much smaller than on the climb up. One step to the right or to the left, and we fall. Unless we find a new goal, a new mountain to climb. The human species instinctually thrives on the pursuit rather than the achievement. I'm Kevin Donaldson here with Mike Felice, and on this episode of The Suffering Podcast, we welcome our new friend, John Valentin, to talk about the suffering of a pro baseball player. Now, John's made it to the top of the mountain, and he's here to talk to us about the journey. John, so much thank you so much for joining it us. Excelled at the top of the mountain, too. Not, yeah, we got some stats for you. Great career. I mean, Thanks for coming Thank you. In. Thank you for having me. Before we start anything, let's throw a big shout-out to our marquee sponsors, and that's Toyota of Hackensack. We don't trust anybody but we do trust Toyota Hackensack. So if you're looking for a car, go to toyotahackensack.com and our brand new sponsor, that's three, Acre, three acres, luxury condominiums, go to three acres.com. It's a wonderful facility in Jersey city. It's got everything you need. You never need to go anywhere. So thank you so much. Please support our sponsors. And then back to John, John, um, you know, you're another Hoboken guy, that's Jersey a, city, you're, but Jesus. you, you came to us from our Hoboken, like poll or Hoboken contingent. That's my uh that's my background. Yep. Your Jersey peeps. City Hoboken. Yep. Second Street bread. Absolutely. St. So, Anthony's High School. Yep. So what what's the hospital in Jersey City that you were born in? Margaret Hayes. Or that, I'm sorry that you were hatched in no, I was late. <laughs> <laughs> Margaret Haig Hospital. Margaret, were you also were, born there?
1: No, actually, um, I You're went back. originally from
0: New York, aren't you? No?
1: Well, actually, I went back to uh, you know where my brother was born. I have a two-year-old brother that was uh, born in Nassau Hospital in Mineola. So okay. I was living in Jersey City at the time, but I went back to my mom's old doctor.
0: Yeah. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Now, John, every week we take a question from our audience and this week's social media question comes from 101Jane57. I don't know how, where they come up with these names, but it says, what is the hardest decision that you ever had to make? You're our guest today. I'm going to pass this one off to you. I'm assuming they're, they're in your professional life.
1: Well, um, you know, that's a good question. Um, I, I have done a lot of good things. Uh, very happy with the way my career ended or and started and played. Um, But I would have loved to have hit the ball more to right field. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you had a 279 career average. I, mean, I know but, but ball if I, would, well.
1: if I If I would have hit the ball to right field, I probably would have hit 300. See, you now know? you weren't playing against a shift back then either. Now, that's true. So. But I
0: lifted the ball. So that's, you know, hitting the ball off the wall in Fenway Park made, it, made my career. That's one of the most storied ballparks. I've been to Fenway Park twice and see that's still my favorite I, I used to like I'm not a Yankees fan but I used to like Yankee Stadium the old stadium because there's history involved now Boston is one of the few places where the history's still there so I love it absolutely so, Mike what do you think well I went to Fenway Park one time and got thrown out in the
2: second inning but
0: that's besides the point. was that the hardest decision you ever haven't made to go to Fenway Park it wasn't my decision to get
2: thrown out <laughs> it was security <laughs> What do you think? You know, I mean, in our career, I think my hardest decision was to retire.
0: Ah, oh, you stole my answer, you son of Good. a bitch.
2: <laughs> you should have went to you first then. Son of a uh, bitch. Yeah, I mean, that, that that had to be the hardest thing. I mean, you, you know, like you, when you retired, it had to be a hard decision to retire to separate yourself from the career that you've had. Yes, you know, but we're, injuries
1: we're, played a little part of yeah. that. You know? <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> with do it. I, I, I couldn't with us do it yeah.
2: as good as I used to do yeah, it.
1: So yeah. yeah, it was somewhat easy. But you know, but you always want come, you always want to play. It's got
2: to come to the time where injuries where you're not going to be the same player you were. So it's like, I guess it's time to go.
1: Yeah, you know? absolutely. And, and, and it and tells that, you. Your body tells you. Your mind tells
0: you. You know your heart is a different story. See, with him and I, my answer is is the same yeah, as I, Mike's. Ours
2: was mental injuries where yeah. we couldn't really
0: go back. Cuz we were to work. we were both involved in critical incidents and we were forced to retire where one day we went to work and the next day we weren't. It mm. wasn't our See, I think I think a lot of it has to do with your choices. Like if you chose if you if you left on your terms, on uh, uh, with a with a hole, we didn't leave. I'd still our be tubs. playing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, we didn't. We at fifty five. <laughs> I, I think I think now you could go to
2: right field because your bat's not that that's fast. That's right. And you just there push you it to right field. There you go. They
0: piss me away all the time. You know, so. you you could you could still be playing. I think Jamie Moyer played till he was forty nine. I was reading the list. There was one guy who played till he was like sixty six, but as in the early nineteen hundreds,
1: I believe Omar Vizquel uh, it played until he was 50 52, yeah. So Ozzy Smith
0: was up there too, wasn't he?
1: I don't think Ozzy was, but Omar was terrific. Great player.
0: So, John, you know, you've you're you're a legend in New Jersey, you know. It's always it's always nice to see a Jersey boy moving on up and uh making making it to the big leagues because we we hold these people in this state. I don't know. New is such a weird area. Don't wouldn't you agree. I wouldn't say that. I, uh, I think being from New Jersey is pretty cool. It is, but when one of our own makes it up to the top, it's like we gather around them. They're, they become our own. We protect them. Well, this is the East Coast, right? Yeah. So you got Jersey,
2: you got Boston, you got Philadelphia. You're going to get it straight. <laughs> well,
0: you <laughs> Yeah, you know what? that's good. That's a good answer.
2: I had a conversation with somebody the other day. It's considered true Jersey because when you're from Jersey, you're true. You're a true person. Wherever you go in the country, people are going to know you're from New Jersey because you're true. You tell it like it is. Pretty much, good or bad. Yeah, exactly. It, you know, you, Whether you, you want to hear it or not.
1: Yeah, you're gonna. I mean, hear it. you you try to be polite. Obviously, you want to be polite all the time and and try
2: to get your point across. But it comes out. You're still side. from Jersey. Yeah, <laughs> but Jersey City pol- or I'll even encompass it. Hudson County polite isn't polite. In- well, you in know, it's,
1: it's it's a city. It's Jersey City, so
2: you're going to get a little bit of uh, the good, the bad, and the indifferent. You know, so <laughs> but but they're going to get your attitude and and your perspective on it. That's true. You know, that, you're, that's always why, gonna, you're always going to get why it it's straight from so, Jersey. You know what's so great about being
1: from New Jersey is New York, right? Mm-hmm. New York is there. Jersey's there. You're always competing with each other in a sense. You always want to. You know, New Yorkers don't like New Jersey. <laughs> New we're, Jersey we're like don't the, like New York. We're like the, the, we're considered like the redheaded stepchild of New York. You know, but it's kind of cool to be from New Jersey. And it, but, like I said,
2: it, wherever you go, you could take someone out of their area, but you can't take their area out of you. That's uh, most and New likely. Jersey yeah. is, is
0: always in your heart. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Well, they so the, New Jersey is one of those ways of speaking. Where no matter when you open your mouth, they're like, "Oh yeah, you're from either New York or New Jersey." That, That's is, true. Is. that and, is true, That's um, and but I do appreciate you coming here. I want you to tell our audience a little bit about yourself. Where you grew up, you know, where where'd you where'd you first start? I, I grew up in
1: downtown Jersey City. Uh, I went to St. Michael's high uh, grammar school,
2: um, and also to the high school. But what what is Marion section? No, no, downtown uh,
1: near near St. Michael's, St. Anthony's, which is like a Hamilton Park area, uh, downtown by Hoboken. Yeah, because um,
2: everything about Jersey City has a section. You're either from the Heights, you're from Marion, you're from Country Village, <laughs> right?
1: Yeah. So that I walked to school, St. Michael's, and then when St. Michael's um, closed, it yeah, closed down. Uh, I went to St. Anthony's, which was like two blocks away. I mm. uh, played for Hurley. Um, in basketball.
0: Oh, yeah, That's Bobby Hurley, talking. yeah, absolutely.
1: You had, you Bobby had a- Hurley Sr.? Sr., yeah. And, you know, Jr. used to play with us when he was in seventh and eighth grade. Um, but, yes, uh, played for the basketball
0: team, played for the baseball team. Did you play in the Seagull Classic in South Jersey? I don't. Because Bobby Hurley did. I don't recall. So no. Seagull Classic was, uh, was I went to Holy Spirit High School in South Jersey, in Absecon, and— so they had the Seagull Classic where they brought basketball teams from all across the country. And I know Jersey City. I know Bobby Hurley played there. And, you know, it was a big thing because he was he was looking up. His career was looking real big. And he came down. there. They they had to shut it down because there was a couple shootings out front. But, mm. yeah. But I, I was wondering about that, if you played on the basketball team. I did play for two years. Yeah, I
1: played with David Rivers. Rivers David Rivers, yeah. Who, yeah I saw that. Um,
0: Went on to Notre Dame. Notre
1: Dame. Yeah. And went to the NBA,
0: then went to Europe to mm. play. Yes. Very good player. So where'd you go to where'd you go to your, play your high school ball? Or you played at St Anthony's, but did you play baseball there as well? I played baseball and basketball at St. Anthony's, yes. It wasn't you know, the, the baseball
1: program was uh pretty decent. I wouldn't say um it was the greatest program, uh in a sense. Uh the, the it best. Well, it wasn't
2: the, as good as Seton Hall Prep. The, the, yeah. I did, well, I just want to say that <laughs>
1: see, Hudson Catholic and H- St. Yeah, Peter's Hudson. Prep were probably the best teams in our division in in, in, in Hudson County. In, but in Hudson County, Seton
2: Hall Prep was probably the best in the state.
1: Oh, there's no question. Yeah, Seton you know, Hall Prep has a great reputation of having a till he got there. Yeah having a good program it's run by you know Michael a, Shepard a senior Jr. University graduate is yeah. their head coach <laughs> um and very good player great guy
0: so when did when did they first realize or you first realized that you have a vocation you you have a talent for baseball like you, you there's there's pl- the guys who play and then there's guys who play because I remember the first time I saw one of the most natural baseball players I ever saw and he actually ended up going to Georgia Tech uh, a kid by the name of Kevin Holman I just, I watched him play and it was like, it was an extension. It was like you and I, or not not you, because you (laughs) obviously, it was like Mike and I breathing. That's how he played ball. When did you first realize that?
1: Pretty much was uh, not to be overly confident, but I had a pretty good little league experience. Um, I played on the all-star team. I played shortstop. I pitched. I had a pretty good arm. I felt that I was somewhat better than most kids in Mm -hmm. a sense you know you make the all-star team but I was very small and skinny and I was very small and skinny when I was in high school for St. Anthony's and for the basketball team as well
2: you know I I did see like your rookie card when I was looking you up and you're you're awfully skinny yeah (laughs) I was really skinny
1: when a kid is skinny you know you somewhat you know you have a chip on your shoulder all the time. Being from Jersey City, you have to be a fighter, in a mm-hmm. sense. Um, that's my background. When you play for a—I had very, very good coaches. I had Mike Hogan was a good coach in my high school. The
2: Fah was a good coach. Eddie Ford. That's what Eddie I'm Ford. The Fah. Yeah. He's synonymous with baseball. He, and he used to have the Faw's corner in the Jersey Journal all the time. I used to field the baseball the wrong way. And he actually
1: showed me how to field the right way, And from that point on, I was basically fielding pretty well, and I got better and better. So when I was a senior, and Mike Hogan, you know, was, was a great coach, he took me to different camps. I went to North Carolina camp. I got recognized by coaches for, like from James Madison University who liked me.
0: You had something extra.
1: Yes. Well, you know, he always took the good kids, you know, and and try to put them in a good position to be seen. So I went to different camps. And by doing that, I learned from college players. I also went to the Seton Hall camp and I learned from them as well. Um, So when I was a senior, my brother, who's two years older than I am, um, went to Seton Hall, wanted to go to Seton Hall, had a good criminal justice program. He became an investigator in Newark for the prosecutor's office. Very nice. He became captain. But um, I didn't get any scholarships.
0: I so guarantee your brother worked underneath Tommy Adams. Possibly. De- possibly. I don't he, was know de- the- he was deputy chief there. He's a yeah, very I don't, dear friend yeah, of mine.
1: I don't know the names. Because I was small, I wasn't recruited highly. And, and Seton Hall actually came to see me play at St. Anthony's, and they actually said that I was too small no. in a sense. That I was too skinny, too small. Uh, so that, I could, on, that, that I couldn't play in Division One.
2: That chip on your shoulder just got bigger.
1: Well, you know, when you're competing, you want to prove everybody wrong, right? So um, my brother was going to Seton Hall. Um, I had an opportunity to play for St. Peter's prep on Kennedy Boulevard. Now, um, I didn't want to play for... St. Peter's at the time, they weren't a good program at the time. And I felt like I wanted to challenge myself. And I said to myself, you know, I'm going to follow my brother's footsteps. I'm going to go get a good education. I I always went to St. Michael's and St. Anthony's. They were, you know, they were Catholic schools, Seton Hall's a Catholic school. Not that I'm like super religious, but I grew up a Catholic. Okay. Um, And then I said, you know what? I'm going to try out for the team and they're going to see me every day. And they're going to see whether, and I'm going to try to prove to them that I can play the game or I
0: can't. Or you get a good education. Or I get a good education. So so you had had to walk. You had to walk on. I walked on.
1: Yes. After you know, there were 50 kids trying out. They kept eight. Wow. Yeah. So I was one of the eight. Um, At the old John Shepard, you know, your friend John Shepard, Seton Hall Prep comes back from North Carolina as a sophomore. And you know, he was a shortstop at Saint hall prep. And his father was a head coach. And his father was a head coach. And after playing on the B team for about a week or two, our senior captain was a shortstop. He was the shortstop. His name was Joe Armini. He came up with a sore elbow in a sense. He couldn't play shortstop anymore for like a two week period that he needed to rest. Okay, so the coaches said, why don't you come play with us? Because I was a more defensive player than I was an offensive player. And then John played second. I played short. The rest is history, in a sense. I, I played very, very well. Joe Armini became the designated hitter, the DH. And I was, you know, playing shortstop batting ninth. I was batting ninth. And you know, there's a book out there that says, you know, it's, it's the short, the, the three, the three hit men and the guy who batted ninth. And I'm the
2: guy. So. Wow. O-, o T Carroll field. Yes. So
0: that, that's the, that's the Larry <laughs> right. bow. And I always, this is why I always admired Larry. Bo again, being a Philly fan, I'm going to bring up a Philly guy. I always admired Larry Bo Cause he, he had given many interviews where his coaches and people throughout his life said, kid, you're too small. You're not going to play. But he said, to hell with them. So I remember we're so we're talking a li- I want to let everybody in the audience notice we're talking a little bit. And he's like, "Yeah, well, you know, with suffering and this, there it is, right there. That's the adversity you just overcame. Yes. You were not meant to play on a on a on that baseball team. You, you walked onto a D one baseball team. Yes, and went up, started. not
1: being recruited. Yes, and and, we'll- and what was great about that, in a sense, that every player on that team was fantastic. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. I mean. Martiz Robinson.
2: Martiz Robinson, and another guy I went to high school. With. He batted, Fantastic
1: first baseman that should have been in it, had a 10 year career in, in the MLB.
2: He batted 409, I think, his senior
1: year. Yeah. Or something was, like that. It was, was crazy. It fan- was fantastic. And Mo Vaughn came the very next year. Mo Vaughn. Wow, Mo Vaughn, that's a name Vaughn. I have not heard time. Right? You had time. Craig Biggio. Yo, Craig Catching. Biggio.
2: <laughs> he, he played baseball with a, a Hall of Famer. Yes.
1: You know, we had great, great teammates you know it, Mike so Shepard sure gonna... Mike Shepherd senior was a fantastic coach and so was the assistant coach was Ed Blank- Blankmeyer Ed Blankmeyer was yeah. fantastic and he basically you know um went on to coach St. John's
0: you know did you for... grow in 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 college i mean you said you were a small skinny kid did you grow a little bit i didn't grow until
1: wow in the minor leagues well let's just say from my senior year to My freshman year, I grew three or four inches, gained about 10 pounds. But more than anything, I was a really pretty good defensive player. Mm. And that basically kept me on the field to be able to get drafted. Because I remember my freshman year when, you know, we would play games and there'd be a ton of scouts behind the fence watching our games, uh, playing St. John's or whoever, Rutgers, and the Red Sox scouts. Basically touches me on my shoulder and says, you know, kid, you can play in the big leagues. And that blew me away. Wow. That, that blew amazing. me away.
0: As, a, as an 18, or a, I'm sorry, you're probably 21, 22-year-old kid being told that, yeah, you can play.
1: No, I was, you know, you're talking about an 18-year-old Oh, really? Yeah, because you're a junior. You know, you're 21, you know? Right. So... Um, He tells me that I can play defensively in the big leagues. I needed to get stronger and I needed to, you know, hit the weights and eat good. And, you know, the light bulb turns on, right? You know, you, you feel like you get, you know, for all the years that you played, you know, Little League, Babe Ruth, 4B, whatever, Summer League, you know, you always want that recognition from a person who is, you know, somewhat, has value. Highly highly
2: esteemed yes. in the baseball world.
1: So when he tells me that, you know, I can play, I mean, I knew I can play, but at what level can I play at? And oh. then when he, you know, basically tells me that I can play, I'm like, okay, I know I can play, but thank you. Now I got to get stronger. Now I got to get, you know, on the weights. I have to eat better and basically
0: prove to everybody that I can play. As a child, all of us included, you know, you watch pro baseball. You're a baseball player, football player, whatever sport you're, you you like to play. You always you always dream of going to the pros one day. Everybody does. Yeah, but that, I mean, I'm sure every
1: little league says, you know, I watch TV. I want to be an MLB player. Right, but you know.
0: You're not, Reali- really, you're not really believing that. Reality you know? <laughs> hits you home when like one out of you know a hundred thousand kids. I'm sure
1: I, I, I'm sure I said it myself. Of too. course, we yeah, all yeah. did. We
2: yeah. all did. But then you, you all had that time in your backyard where you're playing like wiffle ball and you're sitting there saying it's a World Series. You yeah. know, two outs, yeah. bottom of the ninth. Now, now you you walked on. see you know, did they wind up giving you a scholarship before my sophomore year? Okay, oh, yeah, 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 yeah because you- I played
1: well. They, Mike Shepard, senior, you know gave me God rest his soul, you know, great, God great rest man. his soul gave me a scholarship and not a full scholarship because they did not give many full scholarships. You know, you get 11, I believe in college and
0: they split them to, mm. you know, with all the guys in a sense, they but, give
1: everybody some money.
0: But now your dream becomes somewhat of a reality. There's still a lot of hard work and there's so many steps to go, but it's actually now, Hey, I can do this. I might be, this, this might be a reality as a young kid. That's got to build. It's got. First of all, it's got to do wonders for your confidence, but it's also got to do wonders for your work ethic. Because you're not working for. You're not just working to work anymore. You're actually working towards something.
1: You know, being a small kid, a skinny kid, you're always trying to prove yourself, right? You want to be the try to be the best player on the team as far as whatever skill you have. If you're a good hitter, you want to be the best hitter. Mm. If you're a good fielder, you want to be the best fielder. I was that guy. I was. I wanted to be the best fielder. And I
2: think that's what it takes. And you, you know, were a Hudson County kid. Yeah, well, you <laughs> know, I, I was a
1: product of the Fa. You <laughs> the <know? laughs>
2: fa. No. I, I mean, you brought up the Fa. The Fa is Eddie Ford. Eddie Ford was like the guru of baseball in Jersey City, right? Yes, he used to. He used to. Have, I was saying before he had a, a an article in the Jersey Journal. I believe it was. It was called the Fah's Corner, and he used to write about all the, the different Jersey City kids and everything. The the Fah was fantastic.
0: I the mean, pool of at, talent from that area, area, the pool of talent is is pretty broad. Well, we're, in we're, in in Jersey, um, you have a lot of talent that plays
1: multiple sports. Yeah. You know, so the FA had you know he was uh, associated with the White Sox at the mm-hmm. time as a he was, sc- he was a, as scout, as, yeah. a scout as a scout scout for the White Sox. Mm-hmm. So, you know, getting you know. Good feedback from him was fantastic. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're getting feedback from guys that you look up to and say, Okay, what what I need what do I need to do to get better? And I was one of those kids that, you know, uh I listened. I listened, I was focused, I wasn't out playing around hanging out on the corner with friends that were doing bad stuff. I was not
0: one of those guys. Now you enter into the minor leagues. From and from my understanding, from people who have been through that whole Journey, that's wait, a whole different thing in itself. Well, you,
2: you were drafted by the Red Sox, right? Got drafted, what, uh, was in in the fifth, th- fifth round, fifth, fifth round, round
1: yeah. with the Red Sox. I was the first infielder taken, so they took four pitchers and then they took me. The person that drafted me was the guy who touched me on the shoulder. Touched me on my shoulder. <laughs> Pretty interesting. So when he's, when you he's remember, do you remember his name? His name is Matt Sesney. Great scout for the Red Sox. Um, when he signed, one when I got drafted um, and I knew that it might be him that was basically telling the Red Sox, you need to take this tough little skinny kid in a sense. Uh, and, uh, you know, he can play defense in the big leagues. I'm sure if he gets stronger, he will turn out to be something. And that's exactly what happened in a sense. I got stronger every year. But, but getting back to that, where were you and what was it like when you heard you got drafted? Actually, I was very, very nervous. Um and did not want to be home.
2: See, so, the baseball draft <laughs> is different from the NFL draft. Like the NFL draft, it's it's air live. Baseball is just like yeah, you got they picked. do it now though. Yeah. They do it gonna.
1: now with the MLB network. But uh that 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 day I wanted to just go to the mall and relax. And if I you know, if someone called the house, they would call me. Mm. And and that's basically what happened. You need to come home, you got drafted. And we're not gonna
0: tell you who. But you got so I I basically got home and found out it was the Red Sox, and now you enter into the minor league world. You get separated. You're making probably nothing, and you're just on the minor
1: leagues. Don't make anything yeah. right now either. Yeah, so and,
0: and you're on buses from here to there. You're, play, you're playing barnstorm baseball.
1: Right? Yeah, but it's great. Yeah, it really is. You're living out a dream now. Okay, but, but so, now you're
2: getting paid to do your dream.
1: Yeah, so it's no longer a fun thing. Well, it's still fun. I mean, it's great. You're with guys trying to make the big leagues on the same bus, in the same situation. You're rooming with guys still, you know, just like college in a sense. But now you're, the hashtag is you're a pro. Mm. Okay. So now you're like, okay, now I'm playing with all the guys in the country that are now supposed to be good. Now it's my time to see if I match up.
0: Mm. Was, so so the, every day, that was the 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 chore in a sense. Throughout your minor league career, how long were you in the minors? Three and a half years. Three and a half years. Did that doubt ever creep into your head? Because doubt is a is a dream killer. No, never. I was, I was gonna, gonna
2: say three. That's awesome. Three and a half years in the minors isn't long. You hear you hear some guys that that dwindle in the minors for years. But I wasn't the kind of guy, in a sense, that was
1: always focused on the big leagues. I was focused on being
0: the best player on my team. Best player in the moment. In the moment.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yes. That's that's an interesting concept. Be the best player on your team rather than, you know, so you have to climb this mountain before you can climb the yes. other mountain. Short goals. Short in goals. a sense.
1: Basically, you know, and from to, single to, A to, to double to, A, to, a to, and then to to actually, a, yeah. to actually, you know, get drafted and say, "Oh, I'm going to be in the big leagues in uh, 2 years." You know that's not a reality. You have to prove it every every day, and that's basically was my um, my mantra in a sense. You know, I really wanted to say, I'm going to come to the park every day. I'm going to play well. I'm going to try to compete with everybody in the country who just got
2: drafted. Is every like strikeout a kick in the ass, and then every hit is like okay? Now I can do No, it.
1: because it's a learning experience, you know, because every time you go up to the plate, there are things that you do well and you're going to do them well. For instance, I hit the ball in very well. So when a pitcher challenged me, because I was skinny and, you know, small, I got challenged a lot, you know, batting ninth, right? This kid can't hit. Throw me a fastball, I get hits. Mm. Okay. So I get hits. You then they say, okay, you can't throw this kid in anymore. you got to throw him away. Then you, you get hits away. Or you can't get hits away. They start throwing you breaking balls. Can you hit breaking balls? Can you hit change-ups, sliders, things of that nature? Um, and that's how they figure you out. Basically, that's how it goes in the minor leagues. So I, I did pretty well my, my, my first year as an A-baller. Um, went to short season, Elmira, New York, played the summer because you get drafted in June, played the rest of the summer, did okay. First experience. The very next year, I played a full season A-ball. I played half a season in Florida State League. I hit 275, somewhere around there. I hit five homers. I know all my stats like they're (laughs) here, okay? So- you know, um, then I went to the Carolina League and played for another A-ball team, which was considered another high A team. I hit nine home runs. So I hit the fastball really, really well for a little kid, a little skinny kid. And they like that. Play defense, put them in a nine-hole, and all of a sudden, you know, you get a fastball, you get to get some hits. You get power from the nine-hole. That's a score. That's a score, right? What was the difference? Difference maker for me, and what made me different from a lot of other players, whenever they threw me off speed pitches, pitches, I did not swing, because most pitchers don't throw strikes with off speed pitching. They throw curveballs on in the dirt, sliders that break away, change ups down, and if you are have a good eye in a sense that you don't swing at bad pitches. You always put yourself in a position to hit fastballs. That's what I did very, very well. Now, how'd your parents feel about this journey at this to this point? Well, you know, what what basically um they were very proud, obviously, to sure. to have a kid who was gonna now play baseball, right? To see how far I can go. But, you know, they always said that if I did not finish you know um if I did not get to the big leagues and I needed to finish my college you know to get you know to graduate in a sense um I would go back okay so um they were very very happy and very supportive um, of me and I was able to climb the
0: ladder and basically play well you know? and, and then that one day comes John you're going up you get the call up how did how did that happen well um
1: uh, um, it's a, a little bit of a story because when I went up to double a, um, that was the most challenging, um, level in a sense, you get the guys who are very, very talented. They throw very hard, but they don't have, you know, a whole lot of command in a sense they can't throw strikes. So I had trouble hitting at that level, but you know, my manager at the time was Butch Hobson. Okay. He was the third baseman of the Red Sox. the Red Sox player. Yeah. He was the manager at the time. He fell kind of in love with me in a sense that he played with a shortstop that was Rick Burleson. Mm -hmm. Okay, I know that name. And he said, "I reminded him. I reminded him of me, reminding him of Rick Burleson." He said that I was a tough little kid that you know was a fighter in a sense of trying to compete every day, a gritty player, a gritty player. Yes. And he fell in love with me, even though I did not do well. He goes to AAA the very next year. Because I did not do well, they sent me back to AA. But in spring training, when you go to spring training, you basically get to play at the next level to see if you can hang with the next level. So I was playing with the AAA guys. And those really were the AA guys playing at the AAA level. The AAA guys go on the 40-man roster, which goes to the big leagues, because when you know, in spring training, they have to bring in the AAA guys to fill in for the next five innings because the big leaguers only play two to three innings in a sense. And then they go home. And they don't then, even stay for the rest they, of the game. <laughs> they don't even stay, yes. So those AAA guys, they basically see if they can hang in the big league level. So those AAA guys are always trying to prove themselves to be a big leader. I'm trying to prove myself to not go back to AA. You know, they send me back to AA, but. Chops and goes to AAA. And once there was an opportunity for me to go up there, he was in my corner. Mm -hmm. He says, I want him. I want him to play shortstop for me. Guess what? I go up there. A month later, he's telling the Red Sox that I want John up here because he's a really good shortstop. I don't care what he hits. I want him defensively. I go up there. I start to play well. I get stronger. I, for whatever reason, um, you know, AAA pitching is a little bit easier because they
2: throw strikes. A little bit more control. Control. Yeah. Yes. Well, I've I've heard that from from single A to double A is the hardest step. From double A to triple A is easier. From single A to double A, absolutely. Yeah. Double
1: A is the the, the place where you're going to have trouble because the talent is there, young fireballers that don't know what they're doing. When you go to triple A, you get guys that been around Mm. trying to make the big leagues have been in the big leagues and came back down, came back down. So they are professionals. They know how to throw strikes. And what year are we talking about now? This was, um, I got drafted, right? 88, 89. I was in a ball 90. I was in double a 91. I was in triple a. So in 91, I did very well in AAA. Butch Hobson is the manager. He gets the big league job.
0: Hello. Nice. Ding, yes. ding, ding, ding. So, you know what? It just takes that one person to believe in you. That's right. And that's what—that's that's exactly uh, that's what happened here.
1: It's, so, it's amazing that a guy like so he Butch gets, Hobson.
2: Butch Hobson's like a... He's, he's, like a, my, a,
1: he's my, my best friend. <laughs> that, oh,
2: that's great. That is yeah. fantastic.
1: So he believed in me. Okay? So um, he gets the big league job. And... There you go. I'm in AAA. He says, be patient. I go up to the big leagues because they now have to protect you after three years. They got to put you on the 40-man roster. So if you're on the 40-man roster or you're not on the 40-man roster, that means you're the one of the 40 best players on their, in their organization. So if someone gets hurt, you're going to the big leagues. So I go into spring training. I play great. He's the manager. He's like, I want him in the big leagues.
0: Wow.
1: I want him in the big leagues. But I'm hitting now, okay? I'm hitting with more power, doubles. I'm hitting some home runs. I'm walking. I didn't strike out much because more of a contact hitter, in a sense. He says, I don't care what you hit. I want him for defense. But I was hitting. Hmm. So in 92, I went back to to AAA because he said, be patient. Let's see what
2: happens. The team was doing terrible. They were in last place. Last place. And I love that time of year, too, because I'm a Yankee fan. But go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I know you are. Okay. So
1: the team's in last place. And usually in September, they do the September call-ups. But right after the All-Star break, he says, we're not in a position to win in, in 92. So he says, let's bring up John. And a other a couple other guys, Mo Vaughn went up, did very well. Okay, I came up, um, and I hit 280.
0: Damn, 280 batting ninth. They said, "This is your job next year." You know, I remember. I remember that scene in the rookie with Dennis so, Quaid. About, I mean, it was an amazing journey. About Mike Morris. And they have a very beautiful scene where he walks into the Devil Rays locker room for the first time and he sees the jersey. The Devil Rays jersey with his name on it. Right. That's the picture, right. Yeah, what what was that like to go into the Red Sox locker room wherever you wherever you joined the team, whether it was at home or away, and see Valentin on the it, back. It's it's very overwhelming yeah. to be
1: honest with you. And not only to see <laughs> Valentin. I'm playing next to Wade Boggs. Wow. Yeah, I mean, you that, know? That, that, Hopping
0: over third baseline? That's what I was going to say. No, too. chicken I
1: mean, sandwich.
2: I'm sorry. It chicken, was chicken sandwich. sandwich. Yeah. yeah. To, to yeah. I'm, be next to Wade Boggs. Yeah. I mean, I mean he was I, the locker it, right next to me. I was going to say, that's that's got to be so. I mean, I got chills just thinking about it. Like you being just a, a regular, hardworking baseball player, now you're playing with people that you looked up to your whole life. I mean, that's got to be fantastic. And what's interesting, um, when I got the call, Right, we were playing in
1: Scranton, the AAA team of the Philadelphia Phillies. The okay, so, Scranton Bear Red Barons. The Red Barons. That's right. So, I get the call, and I'm going up in '93. No, '92. '92. This is after the All Star break. I'm going. It's July 27th. The All Star break is the 10th, 11th, and 12th. July 27th. I well, the, the 26th. I get the call. I'm gonna face Kevin Brown. Kevin Brown, an ace for the Texas Rangers Texas at the Rangers, time. Rangers, yeah. Okay, so I miss batting practice because my flight was delayed from, from New Jersey to Boston, whatever. Okay, I get to the park. Batting practice is over. It's like almost 6 o'clock. We play at 7. I'm like, I'm not playing today. He puts me in the lineup. Wow. He says... Don't think about it. <laughs> Just go out Just and go. play.
0: Yeah, you're only playing on the biggest stage in baseball. Don't worry about it. Don't, Don't think
1: about, about it. Yeah. Well, guess what? Kevin Brown really stuck it to me. I really didn't do anything against him. I hit like three ground balls and a pop-up. I mean, really, really great pitcher. Had good sink, good slider. I didn't do anything against didn't him. Didn't strike out, though. I didn't strike out. But yeah. you <laughs> did
2: get a hit in your first game, if I'm not correct, did you?
1: Yes, off the reliever. His name is Matthews. I believe it's Terry Matthews. I'm not really sure his first name, but his last name was Matthews. And we were losing at the time. So I go ahead with second and third. We're down by one. I get to two strikes. I go, I got to put this in play, right? I put it in play. I get a base hit over the shortstop's head. Those two runs score. We take the lead. We end up adding one more run. Not by me, but by someone else, but I had the winning run. Wow! Did you get the ball from your got first the, hit? Got the ball. Still, do you a, still have it?
0: Yeah, still have it. You were playing at the time. Was Nolan Ryan still playing on the Rangers? Yes. he was. Yes. Did you ever bat up against him? Yes. I I marvel at Nolan Ryan for playing at such a high level at an, at an age of, it, it, but you watch him throw the ball. And there's very few pitchers in this day and age that throw the ball. It's like a Randy Johnson. You just threw the ball hard. Oh, he threw the ball hard. Yeah, and, He, he and, came and, and, out and
2: threw an opening pitch this last season, and he still threw it like 80 miles an, an hour. hour. He threw the ball hard, yeah. yes. And to be honest
1: with you, the player said, if you get a hit off of him, don't look at him. So <laughs> I ended up getting a double. I hit oh, well, a double off him. Well, you know, I'm at second base, I have my head down.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm not looking at you. But you're playing against a legend. Yeah. Like Nolan Ryan is. A, he At that time, he was probably in his 40s. He, yeah, definitely. He, yes. he's, he's a legend grunting get, grunting he grunts <laughs> grunting. Well, he, well who was that that he punched in the head they got the, the oh, guy yeah, charged him out oh, he
1: robin nothing. ventura, robin ventura. ventura. Yeah. he
0: and he beat the hell out of
2: robin ventura i ventura.
0: show my youngest that he, like,
2: he had him in a headlock I, believe.
0: <laughs> I say this is why you never test an older guy this is this is why there's a reason we're old but you so ever we get made it here you ever get that uh starstruck when you go up against somebody like a Nolan Ryan, somebody who you've been watching on up. Do you ever get that in the major leagues? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah you
1: definitely do it. I mean, there are names, you, you know, you play against it that you've seen on TV and you're like, oh, my God, I'm playing I'm playing against this guy. You know, we play Oakland and I get a base hit. Who's on first? Mark McGuire. I'm like, oh, my goodness. You know, at play against New York. You know, in— in Big Mark McGuire or small
2: Mark McGuire? <laughs> uh, that was big Mark McGuire back in the— He those. was always big. Yeah. He
1: was always big. But, you know, you play you get hits in the Yankees in 92, 93, 94, 95. It's Don Mattingly. Yeah. Right? I weirdest mean, weirdest,
0: it's, weirdest it's, baseball swing ever. But he,
1: he was a, a fantastic hitter. Well, and now, so, you,
0: you played— yeah, you, in what, what is it,
2: Like, when you're standing on first base— what's the conversation like with the first baseman? You see these guys, you see guys as a rookie, as a rookie, you You don't don't say anything. (laughs) uh,
0: Shut up, Rook. Exactly. (laughs) You played in an era where there was a lot of scandal in baseball and it it sort of muddied the, the baseball waters. Um, I don't know if you ever, and and please don't mention any names. I don't want to know who they are, but you, what did that feel like? I mean, did you, did you hold it against those people that did that? That, that got involved in the performance enhancing drugs um, what was that like? Well you know that's that's
1: always a tough subject to talk about in a sense because uh, these these gentlemen are still trying to get into the Hall of Fame mm-hmm. and
0: which um, I find personally I think it's a sin. I think it's um, a sin.
1: Yeah I mean it's it's definitely not condoned. it was not it's obviously something that you should not do or you should have not done it in
2: a sense. But um steroids weren't banned in baseball in thousand two, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know they, exactly they a banned the year. substance. I
0: think it was two thousand two. I think it was ninety two yeah. they became a class three narcotic. I don't know for yeah. sure, to be honest
1: with you. But you know, most guys uh always are trying to stay on the field. You know, so you don't condone anything that they're not supposed to be doing, but most guys want to be on the field, you know, so they're gonna take you know, a pain pill here, whatever they can get on, whatever they can take to get them on the field, which is not right in a sense. But
2: um, but, but you're, you're, you're you know, talking a job that's worth millions of dollars. And if you're not on the field, someone else is going to take your job. So you're going to take what you have to take to keep your job. Well,
1: that, that's the mentality of the guy who is who has been hurt in a sense and is trying to come back.
0: I yeah. call it Wally Pip syndrome. Wally Pip <laughs> got hurt. <right? laughs> Poor Wally. I always felt bad for Wally Pip. Wally Pip gets hurt, and you know the rest is history with Lou Gehrig.
1: Yeah, yeah. There Luguer. are a lot
0: of players. There are a lot of players before they even you know
1: you, you know the players' names, right? If before they even played, or before they even assumingly taken, you know whatever they took. We're we're hall of famers anyway. Yeah. Yeah. You know yeah. we're hall of famers anyway. So you you got to look at it in in. You know, were they Hall of Famers or were they not Hall of Famers?
2: But my, my problem with the Hall of Fame is I think Hall of Fame is voted on by baseball writers. To me, baseball writers are frustrated athletes. I mean, look at a guy like Eddie Murray. Eddie Murray didn't get in the Hall of Fame or Albert was, Bell.
0: Eddie Murray was one, at one time the highest paid player in, the, in Major League Baseball. Albert Bell still in his, isn't
2: in the Hall of Fame because he wouldn't give interviews to baseball writers. My theory on it is... The Hall of Fame is, is an exclusive club. If you want the steroid-era players to get in there, why don't you let the Hall of Famers vote on who gets in the Hall of Fame? Well, it's interesting. You know, they have a players' committee, right? You
1: know, after you do not – you can't get into the Hall of Fame for 10 years. You go into a, a special selection by players who make that decision, I guess. Um, The, the, the fact that, you know, the media has – to say whether you go in or not is the integrity factor mm. you know
0: that's that, the pete rose syndrome type. that's of fame, the maybe. integrity factor well, they, you're,
2: you're going to tell me guys like i mean back in the day i've heard stories that baseball players back in the 60s and 70s should take amphetamines all the time so you're going to let them I mean, in a the hall of fame and well, it's, you, it's, a, a very, like, very, it's it's a, a it's very a very it's a very very
1: gray line yep. i mean it's a very touchy subject because you can do they, it just don't get caught there are many guys who have done you know they've taken it you know they take, you know, ten Red Bulls to get on the field, or whatever the case may be. You know they're always trying to get an edge in a sense, and you're always trying to
0: stay and play as long as you can. Well, something was said once by somebody who I admired growing up. Me? And they, no, no, yeah, growing up, but when you were like twenty five and I was six, um, you know, it was it was Mike. It was it was a roundtable discussion with Mike Schmidt, Craig Nettles, and Brooks Robinson. And Mike Schmidt said this, and it always stuck with me, and it kind of changed my perception about performance-enhancing drugs in Major League Baseball. Mike Schmidt said, if you were to give if – you're coming to me, and you're going to say, if you take this, you'll be able to play better, play longer, and recover faster. He goes, you're goddamn right I'd take it. You know, that, that's what he said. And I thought about it for a second. I said, if, I, if somebody were to come to me in my current job and tell me, I can make all these three, I can make you do better – do it longer, and recover faster. You think I'm not going to do it to get an edge? Of course you are. Well, it really depends. It really depends on your
1: confidence level, per se. Mm. Let's say you are doing very, very well, not doing anything, Mm. right? And you're healthy, and you're not doing anything, and you're competing with everybody, and you're hitting 300, and you're an all-star, and you're this, and you're that, right? You're like, I don't need anything, Mm. right? But there are some guys not that they lose confidence but they get hurt. Yeah. And when you get hurt, you want to play. Look, like, I'm not saying it's right, but which I think is, it's demonized it, too it's, much. It's, it's 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 you shouldn't be doing it, but you want to play. Doesn't mean you condone it. It's not the right thing to do. You know, you're hurting your body, you're doing you're taking an illegal an illegal substance to play when everybody else is not doing it. You know, you shouldn't be doing it. Right. You know, you Kevin, should Like you said, there it, are drugs to say, right, that can get you better,
2: right, without having to do this, mm-hmm. you know? You know, steroids you became know. illegal in 92, you said, right? I believe uh, that's what it was. Right. Baseball didn't test for steroids until 2002. Steroids in the Dominican Republic were legal back then. So who's to say in an off season a guy goes to the Dominican Republic, does all the steroids he wants, comes back and plays baseball? He did nothing wrong. Yeah. No, did nothing I, wrong. I disagree. There's, you know, the, I mean, it, 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 more, morally, he did it wrong. Well, morally yeah. against yeah. the game, he did well, it wrong. Yeah, there's but, an,
1: there's an but integrity but legally, there's yeah. an integrity factor. Yeah. It, there. It, you know, yeah. there's, it, you it, shouldn't be doing it. Okay? Yeah, exactly. That's, there's down. It's a black and white. You shouldn't be doing it. But you know, the human element comes into it. You know, the human element comes in and then you're like, okay, people are always uh, going to look for an edge. um, They're always going to try to come back and do it, do something to where they can come back to be that same guy, which is not not something that you should be doing. You you know, like you said,
2: it goes against the integrity of baseball. I'm not not saying that steroids are right, but technically, I think baseball turned a blind eye to steroids for a while. I, I'm, 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 sure I'm sure in they a they sense,
1: did. you know, Mark well, McGuire, they, Sammy, they definitely, Sammy they yeah, Mark definitely McGuire, didn't want to have anything to do with it, yeah. you know, yeah. because but, you, you can't you can't say that, you know, you want this to happen because it's not the right thing.
0: You had this really storied career. And just to pull some stuff, you have an unassisted triple play. I think it's the only unassisted triple play. No. No, no. no I, I think
1: now it's like there's thirteen or fourteen. Really? Around.
0: Yes. Oh,
2: okay. He's the only player in baseball history to have an unassisted triple play cycle, hit for the cycle, and have three home runs in one game. Okay, that's what it was. That's yes. what I read. That's the only read person it, yes. in baseball to do not all in one game. Obviously, no. That's no, throughout not throughout your career. Not all in one <laughs> game, but that's that's just being lucky. Yeah. <laughs> being <laughs> in the right place, a triple
0: play is being in the right place at the yeah. right time, and yeah. and having baseball knowledge out of yeah. all that stuff. What is your most proud major league moment?
1: Oof. Um I would say the proudest moment is to actually not only get to the major leagues, but to stay.
0: Because that's a big That's thing. what our friend Adam Burt said. That's exactly what he said. Adam played for the Philadelphia Flyers. He said getting there was one thing, staying there was another.
2: Now, when when you yeah. got called up, you never got sent back down or you... did not get sent back yeah. down. Oh, that's great.
0: Yeah. So you, it, it comes time in every person's life, everything has an expiration date where it's time to end it, hang up the jersey. Right. How was well, that, how how, that decision? It's hard. It's yeah. hard. You know, especially
1: I had some injuries. I tore my patella tendon in, in 2000. I had torn meniscus tears in my knees as well as I tore my labrum and rotator cuff in my left shoulder. So I've had some injuries that I had to deal with to come back from. Um, that took some time off, in a sense, uh, and age plays a very big factor. You know, once you hit the age of thirty-two, <laughs> thirty-three, A ripe old age, you definitely yeah. are not the same player
2: as you. But once the one was. thing I want to—what yeah. you play? You played for the Red Sox for what, ten or eleven years? Yes, a little over ten. Just the hair. And then you played for the Mets. Yes. How did you get separated from the Red Sox? Did you? Con- they had an option.
1: They had an option year um, to pay me X amount of dollars, which was a good salary, and or buy my salary, my contract out, and pay a portion of it. And because I was older and not the same, I wasn't running the same way that I ran when I was in my twenties, especially as a shortstop and a shortstop. But at that moment, you know, I wasn't a shortstop anymore because No Nomar came. That's right, you you. Went to third, right? Garcia Parra? Yeah. Garcia Parra came, which was, at the time, you know, I felt like I didn't want to move at a shortstop, and I just hit 27 homers and 100 RBI. That year in 95, he comes in 96, he's the number one pick, who now is putting pressure on taking over the position. He is doing fantastic in AAA. They are now trying to figure out, what do we do with John? What do we do with Nomar? Well, what happened in 95, they brought him up in 95, the year that I was having a great year. They played him at third. They played him at second. And he didn't play that well defensively. He was a natural shortstop. So they said, John, can you play second? (laughs) And I said, I can, but I don't want to. You know, I wanted to get traded, to be honest with you. When they first told me that, I said, I don't want to play here. I want to get traded. But then, you know, speaking to my agent, my family, I play well at Fenway Park. I pull the ball. I hit homers. I hit doubles off the wall. I hit for high average. I walk. Why do I want to leave? I said, let me smarten up and play second base. So then Wade Boggs my first year became a free agent and he went over to the Yankees to Mm -hmm. play. Right. He won a world series with the Yankees. Okay. Um, so we put another person at third base. His name was Tim Nearing. Okay. Good shortstop. Very good shortstop. He now works for the Yankees as the assistant general manager for Cashman. And Since I was playing shortstop, they put him at third because he was a bigger kid. He was like close to almost 6'1", 6'2". He had power and he had hurt his back, so it slowed him down a little bit. He was a prototype third baseman. He fields a ground ball down the third base, one-handed, hurts his elbow, has to have Tommy John surgery. So our backup infielder was Jeff Fry. Do you know Jeff Fry. I remember the name, I remember but F-Y-R-E? F-Y-R-E. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So he is a natural second baseman. So guess what? They put him at third, and he's throwing sidearm to first and taking Mo Vaughn off the fir- off of first base. So Mo is getting crazy, you know? <laughs> Not a guy you want pissed at you? Yeah. So he's a natural second baseman. So they say, John, can you play third?
0: <laughs> now you see the writing on the wall.
1: Now I, I say, I don't want to play third, but you took me out of shortstop to play second. What's the big deal? I'll play third, because I could throw the ball overhand to first base and I didn't need to throw it side on. Jeff went to second. He played second. I played third. They offered me five more years on my contract, and that's how I stayed with the Red Sox that long. Mm. which was a fantastic thing. You know, you always want to, you know, players today, you know, players today want to really stay with one club. That's why they want those 10-year deals. They don't want to do two years
0: and then have to move. Did Bobby Bonilla close? <laughs> you know, he's getting yeah, paid yeah. to like 2031 yeah. or something July 1st is Bobby Bonilla Day. <laughs> I know, <laughs> exactly. A million dollars. That's, well,
1: Brilliant. Players want to stay in one place. Yeah. You know, so I was able to now stay in one place with my family and basically be happy.
2: Yeah. Which, which doesn't happen much that much mo- no. anymore. I mean, right. That's crazy.
1: So um, that's how I stay there. They offer me, but I then get hurt, you know, at the, towards the end of my career, they had an option year for 2001. So no, 2002, I end up, you know, getting bought out of my contract and I, end, you know, have a, an opportunity to play for any team. I get two contracts, one from the Mets, one from the Yankees. You yes. chose the Mets, and I chose the Mets. Wow, playing the biggest. Arena. I could not be a Wade Boggs or a Roger Clemens or a Johnny Damon. You know, I could not do that. John, you know, I like you. All, I, I re- like you all the way up until
2: this I, point. But I'm now, a, I'm now a got, Red now Sox. We to make, now we got an issue. <laughs> Forget oh, about no, those no, pinstripes. No, no. <laughs> now we got sure. Come <laughs> on, how, how many guys did it? <laughs> you got Jacoby Ellsbury. Did Johnny Damon, Roger Clemens? So are the evil empire. Exactly.
0: I agree. I agree, and I, I tell my kids, I tell my, my young ones when they were younger, I say, you know, the Yankees, they break into people's houses and steal Christmas presents. It's just, I tell, yeah, it's, it's
2: just but, what we but do. But going, those two teams, the Mets had to be a homecoming for you anyway. It was a it,
1: it was a yeah. great choice for me because I grew up kind of in my early, early, you know, you talk about nine, 8, 9, 10 years old. I used to go to Met games. Mm. My family was the a The old Met, Shea. Yeah, the Shea Stadium. stadium. Um, my family was a Met.
0: Family. The old Chase Stadium was nice. I like. Yeah, liked the old I Shea. liked it too. Yeah. yeah, it was more of a, like a hometown ballpark. But you, so you, after all this storied career, it's time to hang up the jersey. Were you sort of left out in the woods? I mean, did you know what your direction was where you were going? No. Shoot? Yeah. No, did not. No, I was a free agent. Bobby Bobby Valentine gets
1: fi- fired. You know, and now they bring in Art Howell, and Art doesn't know me. I did play well for the Mets that year, but. Piazza, I mean... Art Howe used to coach the the Astros? Oakland. Oakland, was it? Yes. So, Robbie Alomar was playing second base, didn't have a good year. Alfonso at third, didn't have a good year. Mo Vaughn at first, didn't have a good year. Piazza had a good year, but not many players played well. So, Bobby took the fall, in a sense, like the manager usually does. They wanted to go in a different direction. And, you know, he was fired, and then they moved on to Art Howell.
2: I bet you were hoping for Butch Hobson to be the coach of the Mets. There's
1: no question. (laughs) Where was Butch, you know? Um, But, yeah. Um, And then I became a free agent and tried to go to different spring trainings and um, try to make the team. But now I'm 35, and I'm not running the same. Mm. Um, I had somewhat of a, you know, I looked like I was running hurt in a sense. And they didn't want that. They wanted
0: young players to play so, so now, i knew i knew it was over at that point you're 35 years old which is crazy you're 35 well no it's not that crazy i think i was 39 when i retired you're 39 did you w- no 35, 35 you're 35 well you're 35 but what what's next for you
1: what's next um i took four years off i took four years off um coming home to try to catch up to be uh dad in a
2: sense to grow
0: you, oh, know, you missed a lot of time yeah, with him, yeah. yeah
1: obviously you know um, and loved it, loved coming home. But then, you know, I had, now, now you I had,
2: get a chance to go down to Jersey shore every, you know, during oh, the yeah. summer you couldn't oh, yeah. do that for baseball
1: season. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I took advantage of those four years, but after those four years, I decided that I wanted to coach, you know, and I went into the coaching uh, realm, um, per se asked my, you know, if it was a good decision to do that, my family and, um, ended up going there and, had a great time. I, I coached with the Mets one season, and then I coached
2: ten years with the Los Angeles Dodgers. And, what, and you bounced what, around too. You were in Double A. You were in Single yeah. A, Double A, Triple A. You were up with the in the big leagues for a little while as a hitting coach, I believe. Right? That's right. Three yeah.
1: three years, and Mattingly was the manager. I was, in it was the, the we had two hitting coaches, and Mark McGuire was the head coach. I was the assistant. You wow. still talk to
2: Mattingly? Uh, yeah. Uh. Yeah. 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 My my brother. Making three point two three my bro-
0: million dollars in nineteen eighty-five. There was a big newspaper article. And I I I, I like Don Manningly. I really did like oh, him. Oh, he's a yeah. great guy. Great hitter. Yeah. I mean, great. My, base, my, bro- ba- my brother's great here baseball tonight. Guy. You
2: saw my brother here tonight. You know my brother from Bill Better Boy's baseball in Jersey City. My brother's a big Manningly fan. If you can get a photograph I'd appreciate it. <laughs> no problem. No
0: problem. <laughs> it's good that he shaved the mustache, so it didn't look good on him. It didn't look good on him. <laughs> Come on, that's Donnie Baseball. <laughs> so it's Donnie baseball, yes.
2: You're, people people don't like this, but I don't care. Donnie baseball didn't. Even like though
0: he was a me. Yankee, you know, he's pretty cool. John, yeah. you and I got a lot in common. <laughs> with, you got a lot in common with the distaste. I always say like Derek, you got somebody like Derek Jeter, okay? You take away you
2: can't hate Derek
0: Jeter. Okay, I'm gonna tell you how I can hate Derek Jeter. You take away Derek Jeter's good looks, his talent, his fame, his money. You, Remember, you think he's good looking? And, and, he, me, and me, me and him f- are the same person. And he's fantastic <laughs> athleticism. And he's and he's <laughs> you man, think
1: he's good looking? <laughs> <laughs> I don't and, know about that. Me uh, and him uh, are Kevin, Kevin's person. also
0: from <laughs> Kalamazoo, Michigan, too. That, like, a, that, like that. that. Money makes you attractive. That money makes you attractive. So you're, you, but you move on in life and you go in a completely different direction. You're with financial with after, financial. After work. Coo- yeah, after the coaching career, you well, want to talk about a, a one eighty? Not really, um, because when I when I left
1: coaching, I came home for two years, three years. And I started to teach because it's in my blood. So I started to teach kids Um, in, in, in around home. I live, you know, Homedale, the Homedale area in Monmouth County. Um, I was teaching at a facility, just teaching kids how to hit. I run into a CEO of a financial services company. I'm teaching his kid. He likes the way, you know, I talk to his kid, the way I explain things, He's looking to open open opening up a sports division. He wanted to take me out to dinner for financial planning. For financial planning, mm-hmm. yes, he has a a, a California friend um, in California that hires athletes, and he wanted to do the same because the the his friend was very successful hiring athletes because they are coachable, they're resilient, they have the characteristics of You know, being able to fail and come back and win, in a sense. So he wanted to hire athletes to make them financial advisors. So he wanted me to come on board and head the division and be able to recruit athletes. So my job was to go to colleges and guys that were getting drafted, they would go to play. And guys that were not getting drafted, try to recruit them to be in finance.
0: So what's the name of the company that, that you're talking about here with the? Northeast Financial Network. Northeast. So we're, I want to put up a lower third because, you know, it, it seems like they're educating, especially young kids. Young kids are about to, especially the ones that are about to, about to go to the pros, they're about their life is about to change. And they need some solid guidance from people who have been there and gone through it like yourself. Uh, what I mean, kind of- you, you see it with a lot of these
2: athletes that, that come out of high school, they get drafted to these multi-million dollar contracts and they lose all their money. Well, that is, that is where we come in, in a sense that we want to touch
1: the seniors and we also want to touch anyone we can touch to make them understand that if they go pro, as a high school player, in any sport, not just major league, it could be NFL, it could be football, tennis, golf, basketball, ping pong.
0: We actually we actually know a professional ping pong player. Uh, that's pretty you know, cool. Yeah,
1: yeah. I'll give you my card. Absolutely. <laughs> His name's Wally Green. But um, we want to educate those college guys also and also try to recruit them to be financial advisors. You know, we want to build a company with athletes. And that is our thing per se as well as educating them. And, uh, you know, he's given me this opportunity. It, it fell on my lap, in a sense. It didn't fall um, on your lap.
0: You worked your whole career to be able well, to give back like that.
1: Well, it's it's great to have something to do other than baseball that means something, yeah. you know? So it does mean a lot to me to be able to try to develop this program and this this part of the division that he has.
2: So technically, I mean, you left sports, but you're still in sports. So I'm in still, sports. it still gives you the, the feeling the, of being... A team member. On the the periphery. Yes, pretty much.
1: And, you know, obviously the major league players, right, they have their agents, they have their financial advisors. You understand? So they're taken care of, you know, but sometimes, you know, as a pro athlete, okay, the advisor doesn't want to get fired, right? So they let them do what they want to do, Mm. you know? So they end up buying these Enormous houses and cars, cars and, and stuff like that, you know, and so they can get in trouble very easily, you know, so we educate the youth, you know, from high school to college to minor leaguers, like, you know, I, I spoke to the AAA team of the Boston Red Sox last year, uh, Worcester. Mm-hmm. Uh, Red, I, I read the article. Red as a matter Sox. Of fact, yes. And we're just trying to educate as many people as we can to understand that you know you want to maintain that lifestyle. If whatever lifestyle you want to live, you want to maintain it. So, you the lifestyle
2: so you're getting at 18 years old, you still want to have it when you're 50. Yeah, you, you want to have
1: some. Yeah, you want to have it. You want to do the right things with it. And it's, that's, you know, that's what we're trying to do.
0: So, you, you said something that you said something earlier. It says they hired you because professional athletes are coachable. Exactly. They're coachable. You're back into the coaching realm just in a different aspect of the sports world. Yes. And being coachable I think is is if you're coachable it's your strong suit cuz not everybody is. It's true. It's yeah. true because, you know, everybody thinks differently
1: and, you know, what it, it, from a coaching standpoint, all right? You got to be able to be evaluated on your strengths and your weaknesses and you have to understand that you have them. Mm. There are things you do very, very well. There are things that you don't do well. And when a coach who knows what they're doing evaluates you and tells you, listen, I can make you better. Like I've coached minor leaguers. I've coached big leaguers when I was in the big leagues. You know, they didn't want, they were making millions of dollars and they don't want to hit the ball to the right side of the field.
0: Well, there's one caveat to that. And I'm going to tell you, this This is a true story. This is, there's a caveat to what you said. So I knew a guy, his name was Nat Hickey. I Actually, I knew his son really well, but I was real young. Nat Hickey is actually in the Basketball Hall of Fame for being the oldest player to ever play in the NBA. But Nat Hickey was also a college baseball coach. And we're talking 30s and 40s. He coached Stan Musial. And he always tried to change Stan Musial's batting stance. So as I knew this guy as a little kid, that was he would lead with that and he goes, "Yeah, I was such a good coach. I tried to change Stan Musial's bat set, but he got a Christmas card from Stan Musial every year. Every year." Well, you think about it though. You you have to know who you're talking to. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, if you feel that he's a Hall of Famer, right? Leave him alone. Well, this know? was college. You know, this
0: <laughs> obviously it's it's way way before them. Well, but uh, so, John, listen, you you've had this great career. I really do appreciate you coming in and talking to us. Is there anything you want to give out as a plug?
1: My company, uh, Northeast Financial
0: Network, we're based out of Cranford, New Jersey. Um,
1: if you're an athlete or anyone who needs uh, any financial services,
2: we can help you. I think and it's you're an mar- athlete-run company. Well, that division, we're, we're, that division, yeah, yeah, yes. yeah that division.
0: Right. So once again, thank you for coming in, sitting down with us, going through some old stuff. is really big for me. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah,
1: I did too. Yeah. So thanks, uh, John. Thanks like for like I said, me.
2: I reached out to you last week. We have a lot of friends in common. You know, we brought up like Johnny Shep and the Fah. and I mean, that just brings me back to my childhood, man. That's great.
1: Yeah, I mean, I had great teammates. Johnny Shep was one of them. Uh, Marteese was great. Um, you know, playing with Biggio and half, Mo half, Vaughn was
2: fantastic. Half of my so. high school class played college we talked about don antonelli how come you didn't play uh i I sucked (laughs) you know johnny Shep. you know i mean we know a lot of people and that's crazy yeah it was a
1: it was a blessing in disguise in a sense to actually walk on to a division
0: one team and and like i said
2: you played build better boys baseball in jersey city with my brother
0: yeah. So, so the, the, I I usually end the show with this question: Is what your suffering taught you? Because we had this discussion on air. You are like, yeah, I, I don't. I am going to tell you what the difference is. Is because all those hardships that you went through, you never saw them as suffering. Because you can have you can look two different ways at things. You can be the victim or the victor. You chose just never to see them as obstacles, it's more as challenges. Absolutely. Yes.
1: Yeah. I mean, adversity is something you learn from, mm. and I never really took it as a negative. You know I, 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 I actually th- took it as a dare in a sense. Okay, I think, okay, John, I, think I, I, I can't do well. Okay, let's let's John try this. John went through again. more
2: adversity adversity than suffering. Walking onto Seton Hall, getting a scholarship, then getting drafted, working your way up through you know minor leagues. I think that's an adversity, not suffering, because you loved it. I so, loved it. So yeah. it's really not a, a, a real suffering story. You still speak about it with such joy. I can see it yeah, in your face. And, and not and only, those dates and everything. Yeah. yeah,
1: I mean, not only that, I mean you have to be a little lucky, right? I mean, Butch Hobson, right? Yeah. Well uh good. he he was in my corner. God, you have yeah. to have somebody in your corner. God to, bless Butch Hobson.
2: <laughs> God bless Butch Hobson. John, right. is he your is he your kid's like godfather or anything like no, that? No,
1: no, <laughs> no. But I we we speak of each other very fondly, and he's a
2: fantastic guy. That is great. You know, because like I said, growing up a baseball fan, I hated the Red Sox, but Butch Hobson was... And I hated the Yankees.
0: yeah. (laughs) And I still hate the Yankees. That's why you signed with the Mets. (laughs) And that's why he's here, just so you know. John, thanks so much. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Suffering Podcast, the Suffering with Pro Baseball player with John Valentin. And let's think about all the stuff that we learned today. Jersey real is a real thing. Be the best right now rather than the best tomorrow. It takes just that one person to believe in you. And God bless Butch Hobson. Be coachable, Uncle Butchie. But most importantly, adversity is something that we can learn from. That's going to do it for this episode. Don't forget to follow us on social media. You can always listen before you watch. Follow Mike at Mike underscore fillet. Follow me at Real Kevin Donaldson. Of course, follow The Suffering Podcast. And we're going to see you on the next episode.